This broadcast is only for adults. This is a Medjinomic special report with a friend of Medjugorje. News is everywhere today. We always hear it, and we always hear basically the same thing. You got the left and you got the right. There's really no middle anymore. And what they say, what they give, is really not a complete accurate picture. We know the left recognizes and themselves for all dark things. And on the right is more toward Christianity. But it still doesn't have it correctly. We cannot look at the news without looking at the news through a biblical view. But we don't understand the Bible anymore. Our lady's told us that. She said, read the Bible every day. If you're biblically minded, you'll be able to look at the news and understand it in a different way than what we're told, even those who we would be in agreement with. And yet, they're shallow in their interpretation and understanding of it. Even many of the pastors, the priests, the bishops. So our lady's come to tell us how to see modernism, consumerism, and all the things that go along with it, and how to interpret it. A lady doesn't want you to be ignorant. She does not want you to be dumb. She actually says, do not read the newspapers because afterwards your heads are full of facts and you can no longer pray. You pray through this. You get wisdom. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. You read our messages and you know exactly what's coming down. And this broadcast today will show you We've seen things peered into the future and understood them way before they even happened. So what we see today with the scandal, 300 priests, 70 years, 1,000 youth, things that we're not even going to mention, even though this is only for adults, I won't even mention it to you. And we've done the research. We even had some community members here when beginning to hear some of it in this discussion to this broadcast that can't stomach it and don't want to even hear it. And I don't blame them because it's that disgusting. Yet, we have to understand the devil. We have to understand God. We have to understand the time we're in, where we are, and why our lady's coming. And so this is a good lesson to grasp fully our position. What is our view about it? How do we explain it to other people who aren't Catholic and the Catholics themselves? All that said, the question has to be asked, how does this happen in the church that gets filled with these kind of people who really are from the devil? We have to go back to Fatima. Our Lady said, if you do not consecrate Russia, she will spread her errors throughout the whole world. And it was Joseph Stalin who gave the orders in the 1920s for all the Catholic seminaries to be infiltrated with young communists. These agents, according to his words, should have neither faith nor morals. So that's the base of the foundation. You begin this in the 1920s, it plants seeds, and it grows from that. And who was it? It was abominables. They did the infiltrating. This intelligence that came from Stalin came from, was passed through the Communist Party USA, and I remember in the 60s, they having petitions on the streets, even Birmingham, Alabama, trying to get people to sign up 
that wasn't very successful, except for the minorities would do it. But there's one member they had, Bella Dodd, was a recruiter. And she's the one that put a placement of all these abominable communists to infiltrate. But what happened in the 1950s, she decided to come clean and expose the plot because she converted to Catholicism. So this is how we know this. First-hand account. And we found out in the 50s about it. These agents worked their way through the system. And as they advanced, they slowly began to introduce little notions here and there that was meant to sow doubts in the minds of Catholics about church teachings. The communists are very patient. They made inroads on every avenue. It wasn't just the Catholic Church, but they knew they would never rule the world without the Catholic Church. The first time I went to Medjugorje, Blasto was the man who managed it. Green money was coming into Yugoslavia. Their dollars are broke. You could fly to New, you could fly to Yugoslavia for two hundred seventy-five dollars, stay in an incredible hotel, ski all week, and fly all the way back to the United States. That's how much they needed greenbacks. So they put Vlasto in charge of Medjugorje for all the pilgrims coming in. I was one of the first ones they befriended. And he offered everything, some things which I won't even mention. But one thing he mentioned, and one thing he said, he was being really nice. He was feeding me at dinner with two or three other people. And he said, all of a sudden, putting his fist on the table, communism will rule the world. So this is in 1986. They still had this vision right up to there. And they couldn't do it with the Catholic Church in its strength and its position and its morals and its values and its direction for the world. So where this comes from, all this you're seeing today is from the communist. Now people say, oh, don't look under every rock trying to find a communist. Our lady said Russia would spread her errors throughout the whole world. And who helped that? Who didn't consecrate Russia? How many times did John Paul had to get that done? And before that, he couldn't get the bishops together. There it is again, right there in the church. When a lady appeared in Fatima, resistance from the bishops. Jesus Christ himself had it in his own congregation of the twelve. One resisting. And even the others in some ways, even though they saw the miracles. You saw Jesus correct Peter, not on Holy Thursday, but before that. And several of the apostles, we want the power, James and John's mother goes to them. They all plotted to go to Jesus, let us sit at your right and your left. Jesus says, you don't know what you're saying, asking for. That's reserved. So we always have had this from the very origins. But it's important for you to understand today what's happening, that you keep your faith where these things come from. There's a lot of people I've never spoken about that are very well known for who they were, what they did. One of them is Dr. Alice Van Hildebrand. I knew her quite well. She knew I went to Medjugorje. She was coming to Birmingham to EWTN a lot. She learned about me. She would call me and say, let's have dinner together. We would be eating. There'd be sometimes nobody there, me and her. Sometimes there was six or seven other people there. But she was always focused on me because she was fascinated about Medjugorje. And she went to a lot with her husband, Diedrich Van Hildebrand. They were very well known for what they knew. So I had a lot of people I rubbed shoulders with. 
And so it gives me a background for many, many things I talk about today. And it was Our Lady put me in cognition with people and they were put in cognition with me because they were fascinated with my relationship with Maria and with Our Lady and how close and what she was founding through us. And so there's many others that we know and we know a lot of behind the scenes. She's now very old, but she gave an interview in 2016. So what follows is her describing all about this whole move about Bella Dodd and her breaking away from the communist. It was September 65 or 66. My husband had been invited to give a talk at a big conference, and there was someone called Bella Dodd. She gave a talk precisely about problems developing in the church that was very impressive. And so sometime afterwards, she came to Duracell, and we had a long, long talk. And my husband mentioned to her that he was starting to be worried about certain things that were happening in the church. He said to Bella Dot, I'm terribly concerned about articles written in so-called Catholic newspapers. I'm terribly concerned about homilies delivered in churches. I'm terribly concerned about the fact that some horrible things take place And he said to Bella, you know, at times, I'm afraid the church has been infiltrated. She cut him short and said, dear professor, you fear it. I know it. I know it. My husband jumped in his chair and he said, you know it? She said, yes. Don't forget that unfortunately, from the 20s until the late 40s, I was converted to communism. She said, yes, for 20 years, I devoted all my time and energy to communism. Convinced as I was that it was the salvation of the world, I was deadly wrong, but I was sincere. And then after 20 years of devoting my time, my energy, everything that I had to communism, my eyes opened overnight, and I was horrified. And now I tell you, I was so horrified. You know, Lenin died in 22, and Stalin took over. Stalin was low-key, evaluating and infinitely more clever. Stalin, soon after he came to power, ordered his cronies to invade Catholic seminaries with young men that had neither faith nor moral. No, let me repeat. It was one of his orders, invade Catholic seminaries. Why Catholic? You and I know full well that the devil, being infinitely clever, he knew that his one enemy in the world, one, What is it? it? The Roman Catholic Church. That That is is Peter. That is where God is represented. And therefore, invade Catholic seminaries with your men that have neither faith nor morals. Now, what are the ideal cases? Abomination, obviously. A document taken from people when Bella Dot gave a talk in Orange, California, in which she declared publicly, I repeat, publicly, publicly, that in the course of 20 years of activities from communists, she recruited some 1,100 young men that entered seminaries. And they were so superbly trained that it was not that easy to detect them because in many ways they seemed to be orthodox. But then it's a really big poison here and a big poison there. And also I said, spread out. And it worked fantastically well. And it worked fantastically well. So now you got a foundation of where we are and why we are. That's important to understand what your view should be on this and how you should react and how you should confront even the bishops and priests and what we have to do in the church. So this is a whole 
walk with understanding of where you need to be. There's a bishop, Robert C. Molino. He's the bishop of the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. He addresses with a letter this whole situation where the Attorney General in Philadelphia, who broke the whole story about what happened there, and he writes, as a result of that, this letter, what his position is. He wrote this letter on August 18th, 2018. So he didn't waste any time. A few things he says, it's too long to go into. You need to research it and read it. But he says, quote, For too long we have diminished the reality of sin. We have refused to call a sin a sin. And we have excused sin in the name of a mistaken notion of mercy. Incredible words. A mistaken notion of mercy. You are out there tolerating abominable lifestyles, marrying men to marrying, woman to woman, and you say, oh, well, we got to tolerate this or we're against this. No, quit being sissified. Jesus wasn't that way. He whipped the people out of the temple. People, he hit them with the whip. Am I saying to do that? No, I'm saying you need to get riled up. You need to be condemning this stuff. Bishop Molino continues, Sin in the name of a mistaken notion of mercy. In our efforts to be open to the world, we have become all too willing to abandon the way and the truth. Why do we do this, he says? Is it out of earnest desire to display a misguided sense of being pastoral? Question mark, he says. He continues, have we covered over the truth out of fear? Yeah, we're afraid we're going to hurt our children if we don't agree with their lifestyle or a cousin or somebody like that. Or you can't bring your partner over to the Christmas party. We don't want to offend our, our son or our daughter who brings another son and daughter as a couple. Tell them they're not welcome. This is a sin. It's abominable. You're going to perdition. You're going to hell. We hate what you profess. But we love you enough to tell you you're headed to perdition. And we will not participate in it. And we stand against it completely. You're not going to talk to him nicely and convince it. And this is what's wrong with the priests and the bishops and the cardinals. their buddies, of which are those who are not participating in this, but they knew of it. It's almost impossible. This thing's so widespread all the way to the Vatican that everybody knows about it, basically. Some more than the others and others who covered things up. And that's the crime of those who are abominable, but they covered for it. So the bishop continues, Have we covered over the truth out of fear? Are we afraid of being disliked by people in the world? That's one of our problems. Well, we want to be liked or we don't want to be labeled a phobia. We don't want to be labeled hateful. Let them say what they want. Truth is truth. It doesn't matter what they call you. I've never ran this mission with concern for myself what people think of me, but only what the truth is. And yes, I'm a sinner, and a bigger sinner than any of these people because we're close to Our Lady and we know what we're supposed to do. And when we fail, we repent and say we don't want to do that again, and we fast. That stated, so you can't say that I'm self-righteous. I claim first to be a sinner. But that doesn't mean we're not to wipe out other people's sin. First by our witness, how we live our life, showing we confess, and lead that way. The bishop continues, Or are we afraid of being called hypocrites because we are not striving tirelessly for holiness in our lives? That's what I just said. We have to strive for holiness. 
because we have to confront evil. And if we give a bad witness, then they can call us down on our sins, and rightly so. Further down in his letter, he says, the deeper crisis that must be addressed, he's speaking in the church, is the license for sin to have a home in individuals at every level of the church. Isn't that nice? You're welcome here. You can bring up the gifts to men, the family. This is what's going on in the churches today. And they call that a family. Isn't that nice? We're accepting you because you've got a home here. No, we reject you in your sin. You're not allowed to come here and normalize your behavior. It's not to be in this church. Is that harsh? No, it's not harsh at all. That's love. You're pushing them out of the herd of Catholics. That if you want to participate, there's an expectation that you be repentant. You're not going to have a home at every level of the church or whatever your sin is. He continues, there is a certain comfort level with sin that has come to pervade our teachings and our preaching, our decision making, and our very way of living. And now he continues, the bishop, this is really good. Because this is what people don't accept. And this is what many people reject. This bishop says, if you'll permit me, what the church needs now is more hatred. What? He's calling for hatred in the church? He continues, as I have said previously, St. Thomas Aquinas said that hatred of wickedness actually belongs to the virtue of charity. Wow. Did you hear that? Do I need to repeat that? Yes, I do. Because we need hatred in the church. St. Thomas Aquinas said that hatred of wickedness actually belongs to the virtue of charity. You say, well, we're never supposed to hate. Well, then go read Malachi. Go read what God says about himself. It says God hates divorce. And I'll tell you what, when God hates something, you better be nowhere close to it. Because if you adopt it, and you go that way. It is nothing but devastation. That's why divorce is so bad. And you who are divorced and listen to this, you know that. You know the pain. You know the tears on the pillow. You know what happens to that. When one takes a step away from God, there is a consequence. And when Malachi says that, you better accept it. So this virtue of charity is hatred. And the bishop says, the book of Proverbs says, my mouth shall mediate truth and my lips shall hate wickedness. This is biblical. Start adopting it. Bring this hate into the church. Well, we're just a modern time. We don't do that. This is, this is too Trumpism. This is like Donald Trump. No, be whatever the scripture says. And that's from Proverbs chapter 8, verse 7. To continue what the bishop says in his letter, and I'm only taking a few excerpts from the bishop, and I'm not giving you all the highlights. There's many good things he says in here. He denounces this sin in the church, and he says, we're also talking about abominable propositions and abuses against seminarians and young priests by powerful priests, bishops, and cardinals. Well, there's only about 120 cardinals. It's around there, and it's infiltrated in it. That high. Does that scare you? It should. He goes into about the church teachings, yes. The inclinations are not 
sins in and of themselves for these people who are bottles. I don't agree with the terminology inclinations because inclinations should be described as a suggestion. Satan does not want you to recognize these thoughts as a temptation, rather a suggestion. So that's a better word to say. And these people who have poor formed identity because of going through divorce or whatever problems are weakened, but there's no excuse for it because it's anti-God. This past school year, we went to a Jewish synagogue. And when I was there, he was saying, the rabbi, to our people there, that God mentions one thing in the scripture, and what he says is what he means. But sometimes he may repeat himself in the scriptures. And the Jews, when they see that, and we should as Christians, that means something double, even much more powerful. He repeats it for a reason that he wants you to have no interpretation other than what he says. And if he does it a third time in the scriptures, it even has a deeper meaning, something you have to dig deep into, not because it's hard to understand, but that it cannot be violated. It cannot be changed. You cannot alter it in any way. Three times gives a stronger meaning to what's said. So Genesis 1, 27 says this, God created man in his image. Then he says, a second time, in the divine image, enforcing that. Then he says he created him, male and female, he created them. That's an awkward sentence. Is God's IQ so low he talks like a first grader? Listen to the whole sentence again. God created man in his image, in the divine image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He wants you to understand there is only one way, biological, who you are, by what you're created from God himself. If you're created male, that's who you are. If you're created female, that's who you are. Nobody can change it. And when you do that, you're saying, God, you made a mistake. God, you are evil. I am not a male. I am female. I am not a female. I'm a man. So you're your own creator? God wants you to know in Genesis that it's very clear who you are. There is no mistakes, except you're going with a psychological thought prompted by the devil to uncreate what God created. And that's why this is an ultimate sin, and it destroys all the culture, and those who go along with it, and those who are innocent suffer. Lot lost all his possessions, his house and everything. And yet he was righteous. You who are against this, you will suffer with these people because they bring down perdition for everybody. And that's why we have to turn this thing around. That's why this is so serious. And that's why we launched on our site today a natural law brochure that you take this to your churches. You take it to the places. You take it to your bishop. And you demand to give it out. And if they refuse or your priest stops you, you say, why, what are you guilty of? How come you don't want these passed out? See, they got no place to stand right now. It's up to us. I'm going to go more into that later. But to finish up with the bishop in his letter, he talks about the love and mercy that needs to be gone to these sinners. He says, at the same time, however, the love and mercy which we are called to have, even for the worst of sinners, does not exclude holding them accountable for their actions through a punishment proportionate to the gravity of their offense. You don't hear anybody talking like that. You don't hear the Pope talking like that. 
You don't hear the bishops talking like that. Or the priest. I wish I could hear this from the pulpit. This is fantastic. This, this bishop is the number one bishop that got the letter out first. He adds, in fact, a just punishment is an important work of love and mercy. You don't hear that. And as he ends some of the things he says, he says, the Diocese of Madison is making public and private acts of reparation for the most sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. That's what every diocese must do that. He adds, some sins, like some demons, can only be driven out by prayer and fasting. And I'll tell you, this is one for fasting and prayer. He adds, we as a church must cease our acceptance of sin and evil. We must cast out sin from our own lives and run towards holiness. We must refuse to be silent in the face of sin and evil in our families and communities. We must demand from our pastors, myself included, he says, that they themselves are striving day in and day out for holiness. Again, right now, he says, there is a lot of justified anger and passion coming from many holy and faithful lay people and clerics across the country calling for real reform and house cleaning. This is exactly what I is here for. This is exactly what Mariana said about the secrets. It's like spring cleaning. The house gets turned upside down. It's not pleasant. It's loss of peace. But when you start scrubbing everything down, you pull the cabinets out, everything's out, all the goods are out, and then you start putting things back in order, then you got a fresh new house. For real reform and house cleaning of this type of depravity, I stand with them. I don't know yet how this will play out nationally or internationally, but I do know this. I make this my last point and last promise for the Diocese of Madison. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen, Bishop Molino. This is what we need. The other bishops are standing there, no letters yet, saying nothing. But there is one more bishop. There was an article put out, an exclusive expose, talking about all this situation. It's written, It is becoming increasingly clear that almost no bishops in America will either admit, confess, or wants to deal with the real issue of abominables in the clergy. And he says this, Bishop Robert Merlino of Madison, Wisconsin, and he says he's the only one, except and along with one other bishop, who just today, August 21st, 2018, put out a letter. And that bishop, the only two bishops, it quotes in saying, Robert Baker of Birmingham, Alabama, are so far the only two on record calling a spade a spade and admitting what a huge number of Catholic laity already know, that this is a problem of abomination within the ranks of the bishops and priests throughout the church. And I am very proud of our bishop being the only one with the Madison bishop. So the day this article came out, mentioning these two bishops, I had met with my bishop. I didn't know he'd put it out. Uh, Bishop Baker himself, we spent a couple hours together for lunch, and he told me he put out a letter. I hadn't read it yet, and then I came out and read this letter on the 21st and was really excited and proud that my bishop is doing this. But one thing I was talking to him actually during lunch, I said, I don't care what's going on with the church. I don't care if, if this is all the way through all the priests, all through the cardinals, all through the bishops, even to the pope. 
I will never let the devil use this to turn me against my faith and my Christianity and my Catholic faith. Or then he told me, after I said, I will never let that turn me against my faith. He says, those who commit these types of scandals are guilty a spiritual equivalent of murder. So Bishop Baker is calling all these people murderers. And he continues saying, but I am here among you to prevent something far worse for you. While those who give scandals are guilty of the spiritual equivalent of murder, those who take scandal, who allow scandals to destroy their faith, are guilty of spiritual suicide. Incredible. This is a big, big statement. And he was prompted when I said, I will never let this hurt my faith. It doesn't hurt my faith. It actually strengthens me that Satan hates the church. The gates of hell are against the church. And then my bishop comes up and says, and this is worthy for me to repeat, those who commit these types of scandals are guilty of the spiritual equivalent of murder. But I'm here among you to prevent something far worse for you. So he's saying, and what he's prepping that if you turn against your faith because of this, even though it's murder, it's worse if you give way to the scandal and leave the church. This is very, very profound. I'll finish what he said. Something far worse for you. Why, those who give scandal are guilty of the spiritual equivalent of murder. Those who take scandal, who allow scandal to destroy their faith, are guilty of spiritual suicide. Bishop Baker's letter, look it up. So these are the only two that's come forth so far. Maybe there'll be more. But that's a problem, the hesitancy. And what you're going to hear in the rest of this broadcast shows these things. In the following, you will hear fiery excerpts of a friend of Medjugorje that we lifted from various Medjugorje programs over the past six years, addressing and calling out the U.S. bishops for their silence their lack of action concerning attacks being made against the faith of Catholics and Christians, and their ignoring or rejection of Our Lady's apparitions in Medjugorje. In light of the public scandal rocking the church today, you're going to be amazed at the warnings made by a friend of Medjugorje to the bishops and what would be the consequences for them if they didn't stand up. Listen carefully and see that had they done what a friend of Medjugorje said a few years ago, they wouldn't be in the situation they are in now. And it all comes down to recognizing Our Lady of Medjugorje. Realize again what he said in the past, having no idea of what scandal was brewing underneath the surface that has suddenly now broken through the shadows of darkness. So listen intently and carefully to the following. June 14, 2012. We need shepherds today that are willing to stand up and say, I've left everything. I neglect my needs for the house of God first, not my own. From the rectory to the man on the street to the peasant, God is first. And until we get this, until we put this, don't expect anything to fare for us very good. And it's not going to anyway. We can mitigate things, but we're not going to change it. We're on a course. We're on a road, and it's not going to be a good road. On November 1st, 2012, a friend of Medjugorje speaks of Supreme Court Justice Roberts, not just his support, but his actual vote for the HHS mandate, paying for abortion, birth control, euthanasia, 
many other offenses against the church teachings, and the U.S. bishops did not excommunicate him. Roberts, who passed HHS mandate, excommunicated himself. Why is it not formalized by the church hierarchy? We recognize what you've done. We make it public. Are we scared to embarrass? Are we scared to stand up? Where is our strength? Where is the power? Where is conviction? The Supreme Court Justice, the Chief Justice, is excommunicated from the Catholic Church. Do you understand that? Does the church membership and the hierarchy understand that? Call him down. Recognize it. September 2nd, 2014. A friend of Medjugorje speaks to the bishop hierarchy who are ignoring being indifferent to or rejecting Our Lady of Medjugorje. We're out of time. You have no more time to decide. Decide against Our Lady or you decide for her. At the very least, you decide to let things go with Medjugorje and let it prosper. Stop hindering it. It's to your detriment. And if you're not absolutely certain, if you're not 100% sure, you need to back off your position right now, because you're fighting the Holy Virgin Mary. And if you're fighting her, you're fighting Jesus Christ himself. And you know enough about theology, if you're fighting him, you're fighting God. August 3rd, 2015. A friend of Medjugorje speaks of the statue of Satan erected with two kids before him in bronze in Detroit, coronating the city and worshiping of Satan. And what are the bishops doing? sitting on their hands, not using their power to block or even to justly destroy the statue. So we have in Detroit a statue of Satan that's been planted there. Who's fighting for what's right in Detroit? We made the mistake in New York in 1979 letting a crucifix be put in a jar of pig urine upside down and everybody just said, oh, we don't like that. Why in New York, the bishops called everybody and surrounded the place and stayed on their knees, get arrested, do whatever you have to do. There's a time for civil disobedience, that you can change things. There's a time later that if you don't, and things progress toward evil, that when you do civil disobedience because you think now is the time we got to do it, they'll kill you. They'll take you to jail. We're in a gray zone right now where we can act. you got five bishops in Detroit. Archbishop Alan Vigneron, Bishop Micah Burns, Bishop Arturo Cepeda, Bishop Donald Hanchen, Bishop Francis Reese. See, that's God-ordained authority. They have power. They have power over the city council. How? Because they got 1.5 million people that are Catholics in the diocese. They got 260 parishes. You know what we need to do? We need to Donald Trump up our bishops. We need somebody brave enough to get out there and say what they need to say. We need bishops who will say what Our Lady said, June 2nd, 2015. If you're not afraid and witness courageously, the truth will miraculously win. You can win. Bishops, do you realize who you are, the authority you have? You're the voice to fight this. Nobody else is. You can set the date 60 days out and say, we will destroy this statue. You can go and call on all your priests. You will preach at every daily mass and every Sunday mass, especially on Judas Maccabees and on how we're not to put any idols before God, that you're a Christian diocese and you're not going to play dead and let this just roll over us and let the sheep be eaten because that's what's going to happen. 
There will be a time there's no more civil disobedience, and your parishioners will be eaten alive because you didn't stand up, just like in Ireland. You've got authority. 25 people can't meet secretly and say, we're going to destroy the statue. They don't have authority. It won't be blessed by God. You do, and you can exercise it if you realize and accept who you are. And you don't think they're going to grow deeper in league with Satan? And what are they going to do to your children? They're already putting innocent, beautiful two little kids at the statue. This is your father. August 25th, 2014. A friend of Medjugorje states that bishops are in confrontation against the Virgin Mary. Bishops wake up. Bishops wake up. Bishops wake up. You're asleep. December 17th, 2018. A friend of Medjugorje asked the bishops, why don't you want to lead? I tell you, I think it's going to be a severe, severe penalty against those voices in the church that have the power to lead us, and they don't. Non-confrontation, their silence on their authority, it's not disrespect toward them. We believe it. I've said it repeatedly. I believe in your authority. You don't. If you did, you would know you would go out in any situation, at any store, any mall where this is happening and say, I want my diocese, my people to meet me there and we're going to stand in front of the store. We'll block people from shopping there all Christmas season. It's time you get your feet on the pavement, Bishop. And what will it be when you realize what you've given way to, how you've empowered an enemy to grow stronger and stronger and stronger? And I tell you the big thing is there's a lot of heroes out there. There is bishops out there that will be held up in such esteem and such gratitude and such admiration that they will be shocked how they'll be held. But all that is asleep with you. You've never awakened it. We need leadership. We need a physical call. We don't need it at the bishop's conference. We don't need no more papers. We don't need no more pronouncements. We need you to lead us. July 21st, 2016, friend of Medjugorje speaks to the bishops of a call to confrontation regarding a scheduled black mass and consumption of Mary in Oklahoma. You don't know, bishops, the power you have, and you don't use it, and your sin, the great sin today of the office of bishop is non-confrontation. We're ready, and we have to, and if we don't, and we let this happen, it gets bigger. September 1st, 2016, a friend of Medjugorje speaks about the crimes of the bishops. You got George Soros. He paid $650,000 to influence the bishops during the post visit in 2015. $650,000. You know what he did? He got Cardinal Oscar Rodriguez to endorse PICO, which is a community organization that he supported. Soros then used Rodriguez, one of the Pope's key advisors, to influence the Pope's through PICO. PICO's activities on economic and racial justice issues. That's all they speak about. That's all we hear about the bishops. Economic, the poor, the racial. Jesus sit there and say, we always said the poor. This is not a good place we're on. And so we have all this rhetoric coming from the church, and we had no cures for it. The shepherds have given to the takers so much that crime has risen, gangs are here, 
all kind of illegal drug activity, and you contributed to it. You've had to apologize for the scandal to the 70s and 80s and 90s because you know you didn't do what you're supposed to do, and you don't think you have to for this. Your silence is a bigger scandal. Where is the heart of the church? Is it the 3,000 or so bishops? Is it the 100 or so cardinals? I believe for a long time, the heart of the church is very, very, very sick. It's in critical condition. I mean, serious. I see you critical condition. We have an appointment with a nurse that's been taking the temperature of the church for 12,775 consecutive days. The heart, the pulse of the church has grown very sick. Listening to these excerpts, I recall coming into the studio so many times. And of course, what really began a lot of these programs where a friend of Medjugorje is speaking about the bishops was the actual actions that were starting to happen with oppressing Medjugorje for the first time. But then week after week, he would come in and have some issue that was happening in the church that the bishops weren't being silent about. And we began to feel just, is he talking too much about the bishops? We would come in and say, is this really where you wanted to go with this particular program? And he said, you know, I don't know why I am saying this. And he would come in and say, no, this is, I'm going to keep to the topic of what we decided upon. And then it would veer back to talking about the bishops One time he actually, after doing a whole program, went to his office and just prayed to Our Lady, do we just need to scrap this program and start with something different? Because he had made a promise to himself, no, I'm not going to talk about the bishops in this program. And then he actually prayed and picked yes or no. I'll be obedient to whatever you say, Our Lady. And the answer was, talk about the bishops. And of course, all of these past years, and I think some of these excerpts go even all the way back to 2012, nobody knew what was going on in the church. It was The appearance was that this stuff was getting cleaned up. And, of course, now we see it wasn't getting cleaned up. And so it makes a lot of sense why Our Lady was pushing Friend of Medjugorje to be speaking this way. But I'm going to ask you, Friend of Medjugorje, You were the one that felt the fire. And I want to actually read a portion of Jeremiah because it's actually reminiscent to what Jeremiah was going through when he said from Jeremiah chapter 20, he said, the word of the Lord has brought me reproach and derision all day long. I say, I will not mention him. I will no longer speak in his name. But then It is as if fire is burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. I grow weary holding it back. I cannot. Can you relate to that? Is that what you felt? Well, I know I came in the studio, did a metronomics and got on this diatribe. The next week I did the same thing. The next week the same thing. The next week, about the fifth or sixth time, I said, people are going to think I'm talking and being too hard on the bishops and the priests and the church and the hierarchy. But I, I couldn't stop. I really, what the montage is, this is just a little bit of it. In fact, I would encourage people to go back to listen to what was going on. You got the statue of the devil made out of bronze. The bishop there knows it's there. And all he does is put out a letter. 
instead of pouring out the streets and saying, we'll tear this, as the montage said, we should destroy this. And I do have anger about that because I believe the power of the bishops. They have power that they don't use, except when they do use it, it's on to what the communists had infiltrated the church with down in South America, liberation theology, social justice, which becomes socialist justice, and it's way off base. And they don't even see themselves. They even see that. They don't see what I said in one of the montages about, you'll always have the poor. And here we are rotting in the pews, not getting fed. So, yes, there's, I wouldn't say hate anger, but there is upset anger in that. And I fear for the bishops. Now that this has come up, I'm concerned about their safety. Because this is what happened in the French Revolution. And they killed priests. And now you got all these Catholics come up here saying, we're not going to give any more money to the church. We're going to stop that. Prominent Catholics saying and encouraging, don't give any money to the church. And I've already addressed the situation that what our bishop said, spiritual suicide, but I had told him before he made that statement, as you just heard a few moments ago, that I will never let this make me turn against my faith. And my bishop are the bishops. And that's where merciful love comes in and merciful forgiveness comes in. But still hold accountable. And you can tell the way I talk in the montages, I'm holding them accountable because they do not recognize who they are. And they put a cap on their power because of being politically correct. And this has invaded the church. And it's a sickness that's got to go. And what Baker said and what Molino said is what we need to start hearing with action. And Molino, if you read his whole letter, but he's put it in action. He said, I'm not tolerating. You see this happening? It's happened. You call 911. He's saying, don't even wait on me. You call the police right then. But not only that, it's time to pound the streets. And like I was referring to about the statue of the devil, we had the bishop where it first was. I don't recall exactly where it was. The bishop there only wrote a letter. And then when they were going to, make a public display of it, from what I recall, he went on pilgrimage. And he knew he was going to be out of town. He should have canceled that, caught the whole diocese there, and wrecked the thing and tear it to pieces with shovels and picks and whatever you have to do. This was a consecration to Satan. Two bronze kids behind it. You can look this up. Uh, we didn't even want to put it on our site, but look it up. Use the bishop's name, the city, and look at the bronze statue and see it. It is eerie. And it's a worship of the devil and the power of the bishop could have stopped it. And you heard on the montage, it says, but we didn't. And we opened the devil to something else. You mentioned about they're calling for people to stop giving money to the church. It's not just that. There's a call to have all 50 states have grand juries to allow the civil authorities to take over this investigation. They're calling for bishops to go to prison. They are saying that a John Zamarek, who is the senior editor at The Stream and the author of The Politically Incorrect Guide to Catholicism, he's often quoted, he says, I want Caesar to fix this. We've got to put these guys in jail, take away the federal funding, and laymen need to cut off their donations. He said that cleansing the Catholic Church of abusive priests will garner political support from faithful members of the Catholic laity. Again, he says Caesar has to step in to save the church from its own corrupt bishops. 
So is that what you think should happen? Never. Big mistake. And the bishops have proven, and the cardinals have proven, already the Holy Father, that they can't fix this. But it's dangerous, very dangerous for us to turn to the government. You fix this. Look what they're already for. They are where they are because the church has failed to convict them. What we have is an unconvicted church. But to fix it through the government, you're talking about revolution in the church. We don't give the reins of power over to that. But who gets the reins of the power? The laity. We are to fix this. Jesus said, if you're going to be in your position, you're going to be the last one. You're going to serve the others. The bishops, the priests serve you and me. I wrote a book several years ago before all this happened called Bishops and Prudent Prudence. This short book was a letter to the bishops, but it didn't mean anything when I wrote it four or five years ago. But it means everything now because everything now is described in this book. Clearly, 100% with accuracy. How did I write that? Except I'm into the messages, and I saw it without knowledge of these archives in Philadelphia and wherever else they are in the United States. But I address this situation that's happening right now four years ago. In part of the book, it talks about the contradiction between Medjugorje's believers and our loyalty to our bishops and our obedience to our bishops versus Our Lady, what she's telling us, this contradiction there. They tell us one thing, Our Lady tells us the other thing. Yes, she's not against the bishops because she's always saying, pray for your bishops. She says, January 2nd, 2015, pray that your shepherds may come to shine forth with the love of my son. So we're forced in a contradiction of what Our Lady's saying versus what the bishops are saying. So there's many priests and bishops expect us, especially we've got the largest Medjugorje Center in the world. I can't find anybody out there in Medjugorje defining Medjugorje other than pray fast and confession, this kind of thing. Nobody's putting away a life. But they want us to adopt, the priests and the bishops, and our hierarchy wants us to adopt a posture of inactivity. So Our Lady has been stymied by the very people that need it the most, especially in this time. So they haven't recognized heaven's plans. The call is for today, and it's supposed to happen right now. And in the book, it writes about Yvonne's prayer group, August 11th, 2014, that's four years ago, this August, where Our Lady says, fight against evil and sin. We didn't know this was in the archives in Philadelphia. The scandal was dissipating. They set up these, they set up audits. They set up the boards across the nation and all these things. Yet they still knew all this other stuff. And that's where the anger is. It didn't come out when it should have. You were okay. And what's in this book was calling and demand of the bishops to be strong. Come out and expose evil. Do these things. But they thought it'd be better to cover it up. 90% of the 300 priests in Philadelphia are dead. Is that what they was waiting? So they died and this thing would pass away? Because they didn't have the courage to come out and just say, hey, we discovered this in our files. We're going to expose it because we're going to deal with it. No, that's why people are mad. Because nothing was done. And the anger toward the bishop and the priest and the hierarchy is going to be very difficult to dissipate. What are we to do? How are we to do it? Our lady said November 2nd, 2012, 
Pray for the shepherds because none of this would be possible without them talking about us fulfilling Our Lady's work. We're in union with the church. Our Lady's taught us that, but many priests and bishops are not in union with us. It's a contradiction I was speaking about a little while ago. We follow Our Lady. We support our bishops, our priests. We're the most fevered element in the Catholic Church worldwide for the hierarchy. The problem is the shepherds are not in unity with us. And Our Lady Medjugorje has said she wants them to be in unity with us. Yet we place in this posture of inactivity and we meet muted silence saying, wait, wait for what? Our Lady's been appearing 37 years now, 37 plus years, giving millions upon millions of miracles and conversions and healings of the hearts. And there's indifference and blockage of our bishops and priests. And that's the problem. And that's why everybody's angry. Because this was dealt with. Everybody's ready to forgive. And now this comes up again. Did you know the visionaries, three of the six, planned to be religious? Ivan, Visca, Maria. Their two were going to be nuns. Ivan was, was going to go in the seminary and become a priest. You know what happened? None of it happened. Why? Because our lady was protecting them. Why? Because we see this with the other. We see it in Bernadette. Lock them up in the convent. Do these things. They were not to be in the church. I confess that I have told people don't go in seminaries in the last several years. Do what you can to evangelize without that. Is a lady calling people to vocations? Yes, she says pray for vocations. But you have to remember these messages are for 50 years, 100 years from now, and we will need vocations. What our lady's asking for now is apostles. So, Alay's plans are for the evangelization of the whole wild world. And so if these three went in to the convents and to the seminaries, they would have been killed through their own religious vocation, choked by the very religious vocation that would give life and flourish to the church. They would have been restricted. Lucia, the founder of Visionary, became a nun, got in the convent in silence, and she still had apparitions, and she knew so many things. And we get a little trickle that comes out. You have February 16, 2008, Cardinal Cafaro from Bologna, Italy, gets permission of her spiritual director to write a letter about something he's working on. He didn't expect to get a response except for prayers for the apostolate he was going to start. But Lucia uses this opportunity to write him back and start spilling beans about things. And one thing we didn't know, and this is a sad and tragedy of what the restrictions by these spiritual directors and bishops and how they stifle things. And they're not free and let it just flow out, including Medjugorje. Sister Lucy writes and says this, quote Lucy saying this in her letter, the final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan will be about marriage. Can you imagine that? We have Kennedy voting for that. The U.S. Supreme Catholic Justice Kennedy voted for that. And not one bishop, both in Washington or wherever he is, said, you are excommunicated automatically by that. That is worthy of anger to the whole U.S. Bishops Conference. Why? Because they should have recognized it publicly. They should have said, Mr. Kennedy, Supreme Court Justice, you cannot vote on that. You have automatically excommunicated yourself. And they should say, we will recognize that you are no longer part of the Catholic Church. That is power you have. That is power that you must use. And that is the power that you didn't use that people are angry with you now about. You want to stop this stuff? 
you stop it with two men marrying each other because that's where all this abominable stuff comes from. We accept that. We accept it in the priests. The next step is pedophilia. That's the next step. It comes from this. You stop that and you're mute and you're saying, and I've heard priests when I'm traveling saying, well, you know, we got to be love. We got to tolerate certain garbage. This is garbage from hell. And we're saying, okay, let's be nice to them. You have to abate this anger by getting angry and standing up. And even go back to the U.S. Supreme Court case, I think it's Ogilbert or something like that, where this passed and where the Catholic candidate voted for it. He was a swing vote. And so the bishops had the power. I know you have the power, but you don't have the courage. And you're politically too correct to do it. This is what you have to purge out. And there's a way to fix this thing right now. I'm not going to give you the solution right now. Because there's other things to discuss. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you exactly what you must do, all you bishops, to make this thing fall apart now and save face and save the church. That's going to come at the end of the program. Right now, we want to finish discussing the other things that we need to talk about. So you say you have a solution. It's not through the government or civil authorities. You say it's with the laity, but how is that going to happen? I think that it's important to put all of this into a perspective of time to see what Our Lady has been doing over the past century in order to see what's happening in this in our time now. It has already been covered when Alice von Hildebrand spoke about Bella Dodd. She's the communist. She said that her alone entered 1,000 men into the seminary in the 1920s and 30s following Stalin's orders to find men that had no faith and no morals. So now we're in the 1960s and 70s. These seminarians of the 20s and 30s are now coming into leadership positions in the church. That means this is a multi-generational sin entrenched in the church, spreading through all the branches of the church now. Our Lady comes in 1981 and starts to appear in Medjugorje. 20 years of apparitions in which she is forming her children, her apostles. We come to January 1st, 2001, and she says on that first day of the year, Satan has been unchained. That's a pivotal year, 2001. The Boston Globe newspaper of Boston, Massachusetts began hearing of the rumors going on about scandal in the church and began an investigation in 2001 carrying it into 2002 and early 2002, they're the ones that broke the story. Boston, Massachusetts is where visionary Yvonne was living. Every day Our Lady's appearing in Boston. Friend of Medjugorje said that wherever Our Lady brings light, darkness cannot hide. And so it's significant that this is where this scandal started to break. Three years later, of April 2005, Pope John Paul II died and Pope Benedict Cardinal Ratzinger becomes the new Pope. A friend of Medjugorje spoke to Maria that very day, and she said to him, in regards to Cardinal Ratzinger becoming the Pope, she said, the church is safe. From the very beginning of his pontificate, he began trying to clean up this clergy scandal. The very first months, he started to institute changes in the church. 
And he worked that way for nine years, but he could not overcome the stronghold that's there even in the Vatican. So on February 11, 2013, Pope Benedict rocked the Catholic world when he announced his resignation. A pope had not resigned from the chair of Peter in 600 years. And just a few hours after he did that, a lightning bolt struck the Dome of St. Peter's and it was captured on film. This was very unsettling to Catholics around the world. Even the secular media was picking up on this. What does this mean? And a friend of Medjugorje wrote a really important writing about this whole thing to address that question. It was entitled, Our Lady Queen of Peace of Medjugorje and Pope Benedict, The Future. It was released on February 28, 2013, and I really encourage you to read this. Go back. We'll put a link on the front page, and you read this because it really applies to what is going on today. So, February 11, 2013, Pope Benedict announces his resignation. He leaves office on February 28, 2013, and it's not until March 19, 2013, Pope Francis is named Pope. Okay, so that's important for the, the laying out of what was going on and, and the time frame. But what's equally important was what happened after that. 2014 became the 33rd year of apparitions of Our Lady's appearances in Medjugorje. And something Our Lady said during that year caught a friend of Medjugorje's attention, and he wrote about it in Bishop's Imprudent Prudence, which he has been quoting from. So listen to these words that he wrote a friend of Medjugorje, in 2014. It's going to end with a message Our Lady gave, which is what really prompted him to begin this writing in the first place to the bishops. But he said, The crisis is too grave. The consequences too catastrophic to let another day go by without putting into action everything. Our Lady has been telling us For these past 33 years, it is now. It is believed that the daily apparitions will occur for a total of 40 years to lead us out of the desert. The plans of apostleship, what Our Lady has been training us for, are to be implemented now during these next seven years. The mode we've operated in for 33 years is this. April 17, 1986, words of Our Lady, pray, fast, let God act. So understand what Fred Medjugorje is saying, that from 1986, this was the mandate, pray, fast, let God act. But something changes now. In the 33rd year of Our Lady's apparitions, she gives a new mandate. And a friend of Medjugorje saw this immediately, and this is so profound, because everything changed at this moment. 28 years later, he continues in his writing, everything has now changed with the 33rd anniversary. Just before the 33rd anniversary, Our Lady gave new directives, May 2nd, 2014, my apostles pray and act. For 33 years, it was pray, fast, and let God act. 
After the 33rd year, it is now my apostles, you pray and act. So we're towards the end of this writing now. And he turns his attention to the bishops themselves, really pleading with them. Again, this was just four years ago. And he writes, We as apostles plead with you, our bishops, to come to prayer and fasting and penance. Our ladies' messages convey that your time is up and that God has given you more time than necessary to grasp that your well-being and those you serve in the pews are at grave risk, and yet you continue the same way. Our Lady said in the same May 2, 2014 message, Small is the number of those who understand and follow me. Great is the number of those who are lost. Further on, he writes, To you, bishops, like everyone who has had to answer the call of Our Lady, you must decide for God and His plans through Medjugorje and Our Lady, or you must decide against God and His plans through Medjugorje and Our Lady. If you decide against, you should ask yourself the question, how thick can the wall of my heart be that even the Mother of God cannot penetrate me? So I'll finish with this just to say, and this leads back to the laity, that what is coming out of these indictments against the clergy of the church is that the laity is being placed over the clergy to hold them accountable. Bishops across the nation have established lay committees that have become necessary because corrupt bishops are unable to clean out this evil from their diocese, and the laity is being forced to make the church accountable. So this message, May 2, 2014, came on the heels of Pope Benedict's resignation and Pope Francis taking over the helm of the church. And so I want to ask a friend of Medjugorje, I want to parallel this with what was happening eight years or earlier in the secular world. You said, and you called this, where no one else was seeing what was going on with the leadership of the United States. We had Bill Clinton come into office, and much of the church was for that. And then later, Obama. And you said that God allowed these men to become president because with a leaky faucet, you don't fix. But when the faucet breaks, you have to fix it. And there was such corruption, such abuse, so much attack going on of our liberties, of our religious freedoms, etc., that it got finally Catholics and Christians praying in earnest because of seeing the deterioration of what was going on in our nation. Do you feel, or is it possible, that God truly did move Pope Benedict out of office? Because he said he prayed very deeply about this move. But because he was allowing the faucet to keep leaking, but under Pope Francis, the faucet broke. And that's what we're dealing with today. Well, to make that even more clear, what I say, I coined this long time ago, 
that you don't call a plumber for a leaking pipe. You call them when it breaks. And so Obama, the analogy you're coming up with, was so bad, so bad, that if McCain would have won, we would just be slowly leaking and we'd just be down the same road. We have to have somebody so destructive that we would get somebody radical to come back in. And that's how the president we got was the reaction against Obama that woke us up. And Benedict the same way. Benedict didn't have the strength to do what he did because we know now in his, what happened when he resigned, he did everything to purge this out of the church. He was not able to do it because those around him were so embedded that he couldn't do it. And so what happens? We've got a pope that actually has been a cause of bringing this out. And actually he's been weak on a lot of things. And I've heard bishops say they have concern about Francis. Yet he's our pope, just like Obama was president. I'm not comparing him that way in an evil way. But there's a weakness there. But at the same time, this is making us all wake up. This purging will be good. The problem is, now they said to us, September 2nd, 2013, a new, I repeat, only alongside your shepherds will my heart triumph. See, we're not going to do this without the shepherds, but nobody's in no mood for that to happen now. But I'll lady adds to this at the end of the message, and this is on the second of the month for non-believers because they're non-believers in apparitions. They're all skeptical, and this hurts her. She is this message saying, do not permit evil to separate you from your shepherds. And this evil, what the shepherds open the door to, uh, through their silence, inactivity, participating, covering up, and whatever, and even doing it, even the cardinals we know now, we are not to permit that evil to separate us. That's the dangerous position we're in right now. It's very dangerous. And Our Lady spoke many times. As I said earlier on March 18, 2009, she says, pray that they may not get lost. But these messages are dual. They're for the future when we have many vocations, so she says, do not forget your shepherds. Pray that they may not get lost. Why? Because they're lost. What's the solution? They're all coming together in November for the United States Bishops Conference. And nobody's going to go for it. There's no solution. But a lady is saying, with the message, do not forget your shepherds. Pray that they may not get lost, that they may remain in my son so as to be good shepherds to the flock. These messages are for the future. When we have good people coming in, good seminaries and everything's healed. So they're timeless. We know that. So they just speak now and as a negative and later for a positive because you can take them both ways. An example of that is March 18, 2012. Sounds real positive. But what is she saying? Pray for your shepherds that united in my son. They can always joyfully proclaim the word of God. But the fact is, in this time, they're not. Where are any of the bishops joyful right now? Worldwide, because this is not here. This is in Honduras. Same scandals. The police are raiding the diocese. It's happening in Chile. It's happening in Australia and in Austria. Everywhere this is happening. This is not one thing. Communists did this everywhere. It is an evil. So we have a couple of decades of these messages where Our Lady began at some point for years speaking about the shepherds in a positive way and a negative way. Every one of them, and it's on the second of the month again. I want to reiterate that. 
for non-believers. The bishops have to come to believe. September 2nd, 2011. I am especially praying for the shepherds that they may be worthy representatives of my son and may lead you with love on the way of truth. Beautiful message. Beautiful that in the future. But now that everybody knows what's going on, the wonder of the messages is that she's praying because they haven't been worthy representatives of my son. And they're not leading you on the love of the way of truth. Otherwise, if they were, she wouldn't be saying that. Because she says, pray that they may be worthy, that they may lead you. If they're doing that, you don't say they may do it. And that's how beautiful Our Lady is a mother, even to the shepherds in their era, to bring them back on course and for us to still respect them. So don't make a mistake that you are allowed to turn against those who represent Jesus Christ, which are the bishops and, of course, the cardinals and the Holy Father. You're not allowed to do that. And that's exactly what the devil wants to use this evil for, to turn you away from that. I'm dealing with some people in other countries right now. They're losing faith in the Catholic faith. They don't know what to do anymore. One's very influential in a whole nation. And I said, this is exactly what the devil wants. You cannot do that. So we're in a quagmire. There's no answer. There's no solution. You can go to your bishop conference all you want to. You're not going to come up with the correct answer. I think it's important also to... to ponder that if we allow our bishops just to be the object of attacks, then what's going to prevent the next step, which is to go against Catholicism, to go against Christianity? Because the fuel, the anger is there and being built purposely by the enemies of God. We've seen the riots on television or we hear about them on radios or so we know that it's a very vital situation. So it's important, I think, to hear what a friend of Medjugorje has as the solution from what he understands through the messages of Our Lady. But I want to read to you something that's very, very important, a very big, big thing. And it just came from Pope Francis, August 20th. He says something really very disturbing to me. Francis said, to demand an end to clericism, the culture that places priests on a pedestal. Francis said, lay Catholics must help in that culture, since rank-and-file Catholics are often the ones who most frequently hold up their priests as beyond reproach. I don't think that statement is going to help the situation. You've heard me say what Our Lady says, and I understand where Francis is coming from, that we are to reproach them, and I agree with that part, but to not to hold them up for the position of being Christ and his representatives, the consecrated hands, which are sacred, are to receive the blessing from him, is to receive a blessing from Jesus Christ, I believe that still should be held up, and it must be held up. So I think that could be interpreted in the wrong way, and actually throwing fuel on the fire is the results of what people have done in the hierarchy deserving of that? We all are. We're sinners. We can use it for atonement. But what our lady is coming here for is for exactly this situation to expose evil and for us to fight it. And she cannot correct it to the church. She can only correct it through raising up a body of people who she says literally 
are my apostles. Pray, fast, act. We are an army of people to change this. And so what's the solution? I mentioned earlier, you just asked me basically the same thing. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you very clearly, this needs to go to every one of the bishops, all priests, the cardinals, and even the Holy Father. I've looked at these messages. They've been in my life for 35 years. I found about Medjugorje two years after it happened. It's been every day, all day, living them, understanding, showing what she's doing. Never in the history of the church have we experienced where we are. But I don't want to complicate the answer because what we're asking for, how do you fix this thing now? Because our lady gave an opportunity and was calling for these things when I wrote 2014. I understood it in this book, Bishops and Prudence, Prudence. So that was written four plus years ago, that if that was acted on, and these letters that we're seeing now, all the bishops rope and come against this and exposed it would be nothing but a firecracker that was found because they were saying, we're looking for this. We want this rooted out. We're going to fight this. We don't want this in the church. They're not on record that way. Their own record of coming up with these audits in these communities, it's not enough. And all through these years, they've been very weak on what's happened with the Supreme Court. They're not on record from really fighting this because Kennedy gave birth to more of this when he voted and the bishops did nothing when they had great power. I don't want to repeat all that, but this is part of it. So what is the solution? Because this is a very complex thing. We find ourselves where people really might want to start killing bishops and priests. People are thinking about it. In fact, we already hear people saying they're turning over to the government, arrest these people. And you don't think these people going to prison, these cardinals or bishops, some of these people in prison, they kill people. We don't know where this is going to. And the bishops don't neither. They say, let's pray. Pray for us. Pray for us. And they did say that they're calling for every state to have grand juries just like that in Pennsylvania. So this would be going on for the next several years, just bad news and the church being in the limelight like this over and over and over again of all 50 states. Bishops, did you hear that? This is dangerous. We do not want that. There is a solution to stop this and to recover everything in the church. You have to act on it. Pray fast and act now. I'm going to give it to you. I don't want to see grand juries. Because once you give them that power, there's no stopping. There's nowhere that's going. The church will be crushed. So this is the solution to a very complex thing that's been messed up that could have been done four years ago and you wouldn't even have a you wouldn't have a whisper about these archives being found or these records being found by the attorney general because you would have done what you're supposed to do. You endorse, you embrace our Lady of Medjugorje, her messages and her plans propagate it in your diocese and every parish and give freedom for it to go out in every way through the apostles that she's raised up who knows Medjugorje. You do this and watch what happens. Everything, everything, everything in your diocese and all the problems that you are facing right now will disappear. And watch for a renaissance. I guarantee you, with my life, this will happen. 
because the mother of God has shown us in the messages. It is there. I see it. I've written many things about these things. It's just waiting for that spark. I'll even come to your diocese with Maria if I have to and bring in her or I'll come myself. You can spark this by opening the door, Medjugorje, whoever wants to do it. We're behind it. It don't have to be approved. You don't have to get an approval from Medjugorje. It's private revelations, not condemned, which means it can be propagated by the rights of the church. We know that Sister Lucy said the rosary has a power that can change everything, but it's not just the rosary. It's time for action. And I will end with this. I want to warn all the clerics, all the hierarchy, and I want to end with this. As I write four years ago, six years ago, 20 years ago, these things I was saying, you need to have a warning of understanding that all other solutions, no matter what you do, is not going to work with the entrenchment of evil except for why Our Lady is here through Medjugorje was to fix this. And if you resist, you fight this. The warning is, is there's going to be more and more anger go against you. You embrace Medjugorje, you will see all of this go away. There was a lot of writing that I wrote and I broadcast that 2017 was the end of the 100-year reign of Satan. And 2018 was the first year of Our Lady's reign and she will clean up the mess that the church refused to clean up on her own. The question is, are you going to embrace this? Or are you going to fall because you don't? So some of the most beautiful messages through the years LA has given is to her priest. She's not against you. But if you're against her, we're down to no solutions but one. You're wasting your time no matter what you come up with. All the think tanks, all the suggestions are worthless. She came for this in 1981, foreseeing what was going to take place. And for those who continue to reject that and not take the solution heaven sends and profess belief in, you will be like you are right now. What she said on August 25th, 1997. Soon will come a time when you will lament for these messages. That's what you're suffering from. But you can be cured. The bishop's Greatest scandal is not the abuse. It's huge, yes, but it's not the greatest. The greatest scandal is that they have ignored or outright rejected Our Lady of Medjugorje. I'll tell you now, for the future, this scandal is going to come to light when the three admonitions, the three secrets, come to the world. And Mariana the Visionary says we're in that moment. To all the clerics out there, the bishops, the cardinals, the Holy Father, we wish you Our Lady. We hope and wish that you accept her, that you no longer put off and procrastinate or have doubts or let time pass by because you've had enough time. We are loyal to the church. Those who understand Our Lady and what she calls for, we're going to remain so. For everybody out there, for the good clerics, and even those who are obstinate or part of this, what you can do now is pass out this book, Bishops and Prudence, Prudence. 
Pass it out everywhere. You read it. You study it. Read it more than one time. Put it in the pews. Put it in the back of the church. Put it in the cars in the parking lot. Give it to the bishop. If you put it in the pews at church and the priest stops you, say the following. Not to accuse, but to convict. Say this. What are you guilty of to not allow me to place this in the church? Because it's about the scandal that's taking place. This is a weapon. Use it. Go wherever the bishop is. Have you read this yet, bishop? We want you to read it and we want you to adopt it. Our Lady is the pure one. For the whole world, the scandal broke in Boston. Light and dark can't stay in the same place. She manifested and she's going to continue with you or without you. Will you be a casualty? Or will you find the way of salvation? And one other thing that needs to be known. Let me tell you what I believe about Our Lady of Medjugorje and everything I've read and see and get through prayer. Satan came to Jesus in the desert. The demons 2,000 years ago would come up and say, why are you persecuting me? But when Our Lady's present and she comes on the scene, Satan flees. The only being he runs from. And Boston is a real life example of what I believe. And to all the clerics out there, the bishops, the cardinals, the Holy Father, we wish you Our Lady. We hope and wish that you accept her, that you no longer put off and procrastinate or have doubts or let time pass by because you've had enough time. We are loyal to the church. Those who understand Our Lady and what she calls for, we're going to remain so. We love you. Good night.